everybody. I'm Jen, bookstore owner. And I'm Lane, bookstore buyer. Here at Bard's Alley Bookshop in Vienna, Virginia. And you were tuned in to We Speak Volumes, a Bard's Alley Bookshop podcast. This is where we talk about the classics. Some we've read before, some we're reading for the first time, what makes them timeless, and what we really think about them. We discuss books for all ages and across genres. During each episode, share our own stories as they relate to these classics. So what do you say, Lane? Should we book it? Yeah, let's book it. Hello, listeners, and welcome to We Speak Volumes. This is Jen, and I'm here with the ever-entertaining Amy Lane. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. We are back, and we are ready to bring you— Rumble! I know. Ready to rumble? We could say that, because we're going to give you The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. I mean, you just rolled right into that. We Usually we do a longer <laughs> build-up, but okay. <laughs> Seemed to fit. Yes, it, it does. Um, so yeah, this is what what's really interesting. This book was published in 1967. And when the 50th anniversary occurred, that was the year I opened Bard's Alley. No way. Yes. And I remember one of the first books that I was shelving I was like oh wow and it had this cool like 50th anniversary cover and I was like well, when we started doing this podcast that memory came and I thought that uh, was so special I know I know so Aww. here we are fast forward to 2024 oh, my and goodness. you and I are in our podcast years <laughs> we're in a gang of two that's right I love it I love it <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, so we are we are back to doing a more modern classic, and I want to hear some of your initial thoughts first before we get too into the plot and everything. So first of all, I freaking loved this book. It was, I'd never read it before, as always. Um, I feel like No, <laughs> that's so wrong. You've just read different things. That's true. Still, anyway, I really loved it. I was mesmerized by her use of language, how much she was able to put into such a short volume of work. It's really, it's what, like you said, 130 pages maybe? Yeah, just over, yeah, just I, over. And I listened to it, uh, which was a great experience. And I really, really enjoyed that. And. And then, of course, I had to turn around immediately watch the movie because I didn't. I know I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. but it really just sort of was small bits and pieces in my memory. So it was good to go back and revisit that. And I, I agree. Yeah, I think my memory of the movie was literally Patrick Swayze in a black tight oh T-shirt God. and jeans, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's those were my initial impressions of it. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I loved it. I could not believe how much was packed into so few pages Uh, right (laughs) i mean this story is full of characters and side stories and history and just moment after moment of the lives of the different characters and what they have gone through now granted the actual novel probably only covers a few weeks max yeah Right. Yeah. And I and I know Pony Boy, you know, our narrator at one point himself says, it's hard to believe that it was only 24 hours ago that we were, you know, X, Y, Z. 
And that's how I felt in reading the book. I was like, wow. Right? Yeah, a lot happened in a short span of time. And a lot of it was terribly tragic. Mm -hmm. Some bad choices being made. Yeah. Some good choices being made. Mm -hmm. But I credit Essie Hinton for the, (gasps) the language that she used and the way that she told the story, which is based on her own personal experience. Yeah. Growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this was a groundbreaking novel when it first came out. There wasn't anything like this for young adults. And she wrote it when she was 16. She started writing it when she was 16. Mm -hmm. It got published when I think she was a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. And it really took a life when teachers started handing it out to their students, having it as part of their curriculum. That's really what kept it going. The book has never been out of print. It's been translated into more than 30 languages. They've sold over 15 million copies. Awesome. Yeah. Like, so this is a, and it's, I think, ranked number 32 on America's Greatest Read. Oh, that's PBS's right. American yes. Greatest Read. So it's, it has a vibrancy, a relevancy that has never quit. And, and I think it's because she speaks from her own experience she doesn't talk down about the kids mm-hmm. right they're right. really they live very full rich lives uh with very deep inner emotional workings that are very clear on the page so yeah, the, i mean when you and you normally think of a gang in a negative way mm-hmm. but the fabric of this particular group is is amazing and i think Again, back to the rumble, uh, they join with another gang. Yeah. But they're like, we're not like that gang. Right. That they're, they really are hood, hoods, they call them. And they're, they're just not good people. But this smaller group, Pony Boy and Soda Pop and all, everybody, they're just this different kind of gang. They are. You know? So I don't, I don't even think they call themselves a gang. No, they're not. So they're they're just greasers. greasers. They're just greasers. So I just want to clarify that. Uh-huh. All right. So I'm just going to take us to, for those of you who maybe need a little refresher course on who's who and what's what in Good the novel, idea. I'm going to talk first about the characters and who they are. First, we have the Curtis brothers, and that consists of Pony Boy, Soda Pop, and Daryl, and their friends, Johnny, Dallas, uh, Tubit and Steve, mm-hmm. and then their main rivals are the Soches, right? The social Ooh. upper class kids. Yes, and that consists of Bob and his buddy Randy, and Bob's girlfriend Cherry, and her friend Marsha. Mm-hmm. Those are the main people in this story, and the basic plot points again, just as a refresher. So Pony Boy and Johnny are hanging out one night in the park, and they get jumped by Bob and his friends, and in the scuffle, Johnny kills Bob, stabs him. Right. Yes. So Pony Boy and Johnny, with the help of their buddy Dallas, decide that they are going to go on the lam and run away. And they hang out in this old abandoned church. Mm-hmm. Uh, one day they're going out for some food, and Dallas is with them. And they return to the church, and it is on fire, just blazing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out there's some little kids that were there with their teachers in a little field That's trip. Right. And so Pony Boy and Johnny just go rushing in to save these kids and do, in fact, get them out with Dallas's help, even though he was right. like, no. And, of course, in the midst of it all, Johnny gets seriously injured. He did. He broke his back with a falling, from a falling beam. Mm-hmm. 
in the fire, and he's burned pretty badly. So they all go rush off to the hospital, because Pony Boy's not in great shape either. Smoke inhalation, he was on fire at one point. Yeah, well, and remember, they're they're on the run yeah. from the law. Yeah. They're being sought yeah. for the murder of Bob. Right. So they go to the hospital, they're reunited with their family, and by that I mean... The Curtis the br- brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Soda Pop, Dallas, and not Dallas, Daryl. And uh, Two Bit and Steve, and then they learn that there's going to be a rumble mm-hmm. on Saturday night. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the fact that there are rules to this rumble. It's so strangely yeah, it's, civilized. It's almost like back in in the day when you had a, a duel, and it yeah. was you know these are the yeah seven rules of a duel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but so it's agreed that it's a skin-to-skin skin fight. Skin-to-skin. No weapons allowed. Fists only. Greasy. That's right. Associates. Saturday night. <laughs> be there. And they do, and they fight. Leave your rumble. weapons at home. That's right. And the greasers win. Woo-woo. Yes, they did. Um, and then, you know, Dallas and Johnny, no, Dallas and Ponyboy go running back to the hospital to tell Johnny that mm, they won. Right. And Johnny, while they're there, dies. Yeah. And Dallas is completely overwrought, just overwrought with he a lot. He felt of responsible for Johnny in a big way and that he didn't want him to go down his same path. Yeah. So, yeah, he is torn up. And so he, he, he goes out, robs at a liquor store. Or drugstore. Anyway, he's running from the cops. He's got a gun, even though it's not loaded. And um, the cops shoot him and kill him. And it was effectively suicide by cops. Yes. And then Pony Boy just spirals and mm-hmm. becomes completely lost to his grief and denial, right? He cannot, he just disassociates in a lot of ways and begins to believe that he, in fact, was the one who killed Bob that Johnny didn't do it at all. And there's that whole end of the novel, which he starts to come out of it shortly after he reads a letter mm-hmm. that Johnny had left for him before he died. That's right. Like right before he died. And that's the whole stay gold, Pony Boy. That's right, stay gold. And then Pony Boy starts to write down the story. And the very last lines of the novel are the exact same lines that began it. That's, I know. It's so good. Beautifully done. Mm -hmm. Just beautifully done. Yes. So those are the highlights of this story. And so when I finished this, I have a confession to make. Uh, Okay. I was, you know, I was starting to think about it and, and... And I started making all of these connections between this story and Little Women. Wait, you mean the Little Women? Yes, yes, the one we just read. Okay, I really didn't. I thought you were gonna come out with like West Side Story. Or no, something like no. That. It, it, I honestly, it was so. Just the synapses started firing, and and so tell me hear more. Me out. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, first of all, they were both books written for children. Got it. Where yes. the main characters, yeah. at least the beginning, part one of Little Women, were children. Yes. And both of the authors drew from their own experiences mm-hmm. and put themselves in there. Both of the main characters, Joe and Pony Boy, are like kind of writers mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. Each of them has a very significant death 
In Little Women, it's Beth. Mm -hmm. In Outsiders, it's Johnny. And both of those characters are described as being really, like, gentle. They're sort of doted upon. Johnny's referred to as a pet. Like, the gang's pet. Mm -hmm. And their deaths really affect the main protagonists, i.e. Ponyboy and Joe, in not similar ways, because Joe doesn't lose her mind. But Joe really tries to be more like Beth. For the right. family. There's such an influence yeah. of their, almost their innocence, that they're, they're, they're try, trying to protect them because of their goodness, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. So, mm-hmm. anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, so, there's that. There's there's a bit of that class struggle, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the rivalry between the greasers and the shosh is very wealth-based, right? right? Um, and in Little Women... You know, they struggle with their own poverty. Right. There's no violence. No, say, no, know, no, no. But no. it's and very it, much the, it's known that yeah. they're different. Yeah. It doesn't need to be said. You, the customs and what they wear and mm-hmm. what they eat and yeah. the parties they throw, it's very apparent. Yeah. And while they're on much better terms with the wealthy families that they're connected to, um, yeah, it's still something that exists. Mm-hmm. did and exists still. And then, oh, the hair. When Joe cuts off her hair and Pony Boy, when they go in hiding, bleaches his. Like, yes. They're both kind of distraught by this loss of, well, for, for Joe, it was her, everybody kept saying, it's your one true beauty. Your uh, one true beauty. You've hmm. lost your one true beauty. Uh, and I even forgot about that. She did it voluntarily. It, she cried that night. Yeah. Right? And then the same thing happens with Pony Boy after... Johnny cuts and and bleaches his hair. He he like doesn't want it because it's not him. It's not his he identity. He says he feels like he's in a Halloween costume yeah. that he can't take off. Yeah, and so he winds up crying a little bit too yes. at that loss. So I think those kinds of things just kept coming. Also, absent parents. Let's just stop on this one for a little bit um, because. At least in Little Women, there's the mom. Marmee is there to Mm -hmm. guide and and help them out. But there are no parents, none, in The Outsiders. None. You just, you hear about some of them, but you never, they never interact. No. And the ones you hear about are basically emotionally absent and or abusive. Correct. Um, Sometimes certainly physically abusive in terms of Johnny's parents. Two-Bit's parents, like, it's just his mom, and right. she has to work really hard and long hours to take care of him. Because the dad Yeah. So it's, there's, there's so much struggle and strife that comes from that, and I think that's part of why this gang forms, right? These mm-hmm. boys take care of each other. And Daryl's the oldest. He's 20, and he had to drop out of college. Like, he was, he had aspirations to go to college, but their parents died. And... He's there to take care of his younger brothers mm-hmm. until they're both so uh, they can high school. get out of high school. And yeah, stay in that house. Yeah, and everything exactly. Um, even though Soda Pop dropped out because he knows he's not that smart and he was never good in school and doesn't interest him anyway. No, it didn't. <laughs> so he's gonna ride some rodeo and uh, fix he's some got cars. His good job at yeah. the gas station, yeah. the DX. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. So it's well, they be they become family. Mm. And I don't know if those words ever come out directly, but I'm sure that's the feeling. They each see each other as their support system. Well, 
I love the fact that they leave the house unlocked so that if anybody needs to a place to a safe place to stay, they have a safe place to stay at the Curtis household. I was just thinking the same thing. Mm. And I think it was Daryl who said, I'd rather take my chance at getting robbed than have one of my own out there without a safe place. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. very much known. And I think there was one time when the, was it Tim? Yeah, the rival gang leader. That he showed up. The hoods. The hoods, that he showed up. And he was just sitting in their armchair. And then he's, hey, hey. And then in the morning, he just got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> that was really great. You know? um, but I also think, so we have the Curtis brothers, and they're a pretty tight-knit family unit. Mm-hmm. And then they have, you know, everybody around them. But I think you you had alluded to this, that Dallas and Johnny were really, those two were their own. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Dallas is kind of a hood. Like, he, he's a bit he of a hoodlum. He's from New York, you know? <laughs> he's got, he, he, he's, he's been in jail. He's, 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 he's been in the tank, or whatever they call it. <laughs> He says <laughs> he's he nope. knows he knows the system. <laughs> so this is what this is what he brings, and he's he's got all the the scars and the and the stories and the rap sheet. <laughs> I, what other like words can I throw in here? <laughs> but yeah, he, yes, he does. He's got a record. Let's just say yeah, that. He does. And, and he is proud of it. Yes. And um, and in fact, what's interesting is there's a point, too, when Pony Boy says that, uh, like, he's a little bit afraid of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Right? He did, yes. yeah. Yeah. He, he is. But Johnny seems to really look up to Dallas. And Dallas really does, like, sort of take embrace Johnny not necessarily physically but emotionally embraces Johnny and and wants to let Johnny still be soft like one of the things that he's worried about when Johnny comes to the conclusion that he should go back and turn himself in mm-hmm. is that no you'll go to jail man you don't want to go to jail right you're going to get hard and you need to stay soft right you don't be like me he was very, yeah, that was a big speech. Yeah. And he was really passionate about getting that across. He was. And that's super significant. And I think it's a huge part of why Johnny's death is so devastating to Dallas. Uh-huh. Because he was what Dallas maybe could have been. That's, yeah. We have to back up to to the beginning of the book because, and this is... There are these events that happen before we meet our characters. Mm. And that's when Johnny was attacked by the Soches. By Bob. By Bob. Specifically. With his big school rings and almost basically left for dead. Yeah. And has a scar and he is traumatized by the attack. He's afraid. He's jumpy. He's just always on the lookout. Yeah. It's always defeated running. and suspicious. That's a good choice of words. No, no, that that was how Pony Boy described him at work. Good point. choice of words, Pony Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it, it that's why they are so extra protective of him. Yeah. And and then his parents don't give a hoot about him. His parents don't even care if he comes home or not. They don't look for him. They don't He's just a burden to them. Yeah. And it's 
So sad. So, so, so sad. It is. It is a devastating situation. And what makes it even harder is how hopeful Johnny is. When he's on the lam, Dallas comes to, to, you know, meet up with the boys and tell them what's going on. And Johnny asks, my parents asking about me? My parents? He did. And, yeah. and Dallas is like, you got to forget about them, man. Just forget them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to stop that. Yes. I know. And um, it, it is. It's a heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. But there are some memories, I think Pony Boy mentions, where when they were eight and they would throw the football around in the field. Mm. And he's only 14 now. And he's aged like two decades. Oh I know. It's just this, this, this life that they've been dealt so, yes, the absent parents, absent grown-ups, period. Well, well, not... Daryl's a grown-up. He up, is. Well, but, he, is, he is. But he's not, a, he's not a parent. He's a sibling, and That's there's right. a difference. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so, okay, so Little Women yeah. meets the Outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is what I... See, this is what happens when I get to turn my note card over. I know. The stack is not quite as thick, but I'm just thinking that's... But my the, cards are a little bit bigger than the Okay, you've got bigger cards. I got cards. bigger cards. I, I learned my lesson. <laughs> but so what I have on the back of my card is... This is about Johnny and Dallas. Johnny is still soft and good and sweet, and Dallas didn't want him to lose that. Dallas wants him to stay gold. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> See? Yeah. Well, we'll get to more Stay about gold, that, too. Stay gold, pony boy. <laughs> Stay gold, pony boy. Oh, and let me, let me show you this cover. Um, this, the edition that I have is uh, Penguin Classic, which, mm-hmm. and it, it has, you can see the boy running here. But look at, it's sort of a holographic. Oh, my God. Stay gold, pony boy. <gasps> that is so cool. I love it so much. Oh, my God. That's it's gorgeous. That's a really cool thing to do for the 50th anniversary. And I've had this book for a long time, oh and God. I never noticed that no. until now. So I'm so happy I could share it with you. Yay. Sorry, listeners, you cannot see what we're talking about, yeah. but it is a really cool it effect. It is a very this, cool effect. On this, because uh, that was truly, you know, we'll get to the talk of the sunsets and the poem and everything yeah. at, well, at let's some do point that now. later. Or no, now. Let's, let's okay. talk about how Stay Gold came into the work. Well, she taught, there's one thing, another literary reference, mm. and it's Gone with the Wind. Oh, right. So yes. when they're on, I'll use your words, when they're on the lamb, <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they could only show themselves once to buy food for the week because they have to hide out. And Johnny buys. A book because he knows Pony Boy has always wanted to read this, and Pony Boy's, you know, he's yeah. he's a voracious reader, all this stuff. Well, it'll give him something to do, it'll, and he's like, "You can read this aloud to me, right?" And pass the time. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But during that time, there's a morning when Pony Boy gets up earlier than usual, mm-hmm. right? And he is out there, and I don't think he realizes Johnny's behind him. Nope. And then Johnny says, like, wow, is that something? And basically says, you, Pony Boy, are the one that showed me to look at a sunset. Yeah. I didn't notice the colors in the clouds before. Yeah. So then Pony Boy begins to recite a Robert Frost poem, right? Yes. And he is 
And they're, they're together in this quiet solitude. Yeah. So let me, I'm just going to backtrack a sec here. The mist was what was pretty, Johnny said. All gold and silver. Mmm, I said, trying to blow a smoke ring. Too bad it couldn't stay like that all the time. Nothing gold can stay. I was remembering a poem I'd read once. What? Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her early leaf's a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, so Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day. Nothing gold can stay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, that's when Johnny says, you know, I never noticed colors and clouds and stuff until you kept reminding me about them. It seems like they were never there before. I know. Yeah. I want to, we all need friends like that. (laughs) Oh my gosh, right? (laughs) Well, and again, one of the things I love about this is this is a group of, of boys who I don't think had been given inner lives at all up until this moment. Certainly not teenagers. There was, it was, what it, like bubblegum books. Oh, yeah. Right? You're right. We were saying it was uh, Nancy Drew Mysteries. Or yeah, the Hardy Boys. The, and- the uh, maybe the movies was like Beach Blanket Bingo. Yeah. And these just sort of bubblegum songs and different things like that. Yeah. And so you're right. It was this fantastical uh, picture of what being a teenager was. Not these it was glossy, and, yeah. yeah, and and you're right, and it didn't have it didn't have any depth to it, but this does like gobs of depth. <laughs> like it is, it is vast and beautiful and rich and true, mm-hmm. and I think again, as stated before, I think it's part of why it's endured for so long, and no wonder Essie Hinton gets tired of talking about it. <laughs> Like, she's written a bunch of other novels, but this is the only one anybody ever wants to talk about. But who can blame them? They're so... I know. And it's not just the greasers who deserve to be recognized here. Absolutely. You know, the Soches, too, who are part of every society. And there's a scene, it's early on in the book, when he first meets Cherry. Mm -hmm. And they're in the... uh, They're at the drive-in, right, I think? Yeah. Um, And... She's mad because Bob's drunk, and she's like, I told you not to get drunk. (laughs) And so they end up going to the seats, and that's where Ponyboy and and Johnny are. Anyway, they have this sort of connection. She can tell that Ponyboy is good, right? That he's he's a good, good kid, and she can talk to him. And so they get into this conversation about... The difference between you know their lives mm-hmm. and I think she basically says they, they just start talking about their differences so Ponyboy says I thought maybe it was money that separated us no Cherry said slowly when I said this it's not just money part of it is but not all you greasers have a different set of values you're more emotional we're sophisticated cool to the point of not feeling anything Nothing is real with us. You know, sometimes I'll catch myself talking to a girlfriend and realize I don't mean half of what I'm saying. I don't really think a beer blast on the river bottom is super cool, but I'll rave about it to a girlfriend just to be saying something. And then she goes on to say, the rat race is a perfect name for it. We're always going, 
going and going and never asking where. Did you ever hear of having more than you wanted so that you couldn't want anything else and then started looking for something else to want? It seems like we're always searching for something to satisfy us and never finding it. Maybe if we could lose our cool, could. Mm. Like what a compliment yeah. to his, like, the, like the, the, the emotion, like feeling something. And getting and getting upset about it and acting on it on it, you know. Whereas the Soshas always had to keep their cool, yeah, and keep up. It was so and, impersonal. Mm. And Pony Boy says that's why we're separated. It's not money. It's feeling. You don't feel anything, and we feel too violently. Ooh, mm-hmm. nailed it, Pony Boy. Right, and all the things that you've been talking about, yeah. especially with. Dallas and his reaction to, to Johnny um, dying, it, that's what it is. It, it's uh, their bravado and wanting to just not be taken advantage of or just, uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like with, with the greasers, the idea that they feel things too violently is, I don't feel like it's violence with necessarily acting out that Mm -hmm. violence i think it's a a deep sort of passion it's more visceral it's something they don't put up the guards in the same way that the socias do for social pretext right or pretense anyway the greasers have real connection Mm -hmm. true connection with each other it is like a family even though only three of them are technically related. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of why their little group, as compared to even the other group of greasers, right? Pony Boy makes the observation before the rumble that Tim is the leader and everybody follows what Tim says. Yes. Does that. Right. But in their little group, there is no leader. They all just help each other. That's right. That's what they do. And that's... That's what they're there for. And, you know, one of the things that I we haven't talked about yet is this really lovely relationship between Soda Pop and Pony Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how Soda Pop really listens to Pony Boy, mm-hmm. takes care of him. Mm-hmm. And even though Daryl's his oldest brother and the one who's really his guardian, he doesn't feel connected or seen oh. by Daryl. For who he is, mm-hmm. but he does with Soda Pop. Like, Soda Pop sees him. That's right. And, and they're playful, too. They, they, oh, they're yeah. still brothers. They yeah. joke around and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's the idea that Daryl changed after their parents died, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, he had to. because Yeah, had, it takes Ponyboy a while to realize that. It, it does. And he, and he, he realizes they're always going to be different, but that Daryl's filling that role, and he needs—he had to change. Yeah. There's, it's a beautiful moment in the book when, after the fire, Pony Boy and Johnny were taken to the hospital. Pony Boy was had gotten sunburned, like a little mm-hmm. bit on his back. Actually, the jacket, Dallas's jacket, saved That's him. That's right. I love yeah. that. Yes. Yeah, which is such an interesting metaphor. I know. Right. 
It was. Because he was just like, eh, Dallas, I'm not so yeah. sure about him. And then it ends up, yeah. yeah. So not only his jacket, but Dallas himself, because he whacked him and put the fire Yes, out. he did. <laughs> and then Pony Boy <laughs> passes out, probably from smoke inhalation. Um, but he's at the hospital, and he hasn't seen his brothers in days. And the whole reason he ran out that night was because he had fallen asleep, um, hanging out with Johnny, and went home, and it was like 2 in the morning, and Daryl just laid into him and physically he did. smacked him. Yeah. And Pony Boy took off. And that was sort of, that was a critical moment. And Pony Boy just believes that, like, Daryl hates him, like, doesn't care about him at all. And then when he sees Daryl, and Daryl just breaks down and cries. He did. Just totally breaks down. I and know. it's And they're all, like, hugging. Yeah. And just like, oh. But it's a beautiful I'm moment. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There's some sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Of realization from mm-hmm. homie boy that he is truly loved that he come i love throughout the novel the way that pony boy starts to see the world differently mm-hmm. how his preconceptions are getting torn down about not only the socias but his own family mm-hmm. his place in this world mm-hmm. who who people are what their actions mean because he's afraid of Dallas, but Dallas is also a hero. He helped those kids. He helped Pony Boy mm-hmm. and and Johnny. Yes. Um, and yeah, and he is there for them. He he's the one who gets them out of town. He's the one who gives them money and sets them up. He's the one who makes That's sure that Pony he's Boy a convicted felon. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but at the same time, he is a convicted felon. Yeah. Like, no, he, I know. He but could be cold and detached. Right. That's he he could be thing. like, I don't want any of this to stick on me. Yeah. But no, he doesn't. He puts himself, he knows the police are going to come find him first yeah. and question him. Yeah. And he makes it like a joke because he tells the cops that they're in they Texas. were there in Texas. Yeah. You know, he's like this This whole, he's so cool. He's just cool and calm and collected. Yeah. Uh, and the one part I want to get to talking about with you is sort of the meat. This is sort of the middle of the novel where when they go from being on the run to being heroes. Mm. And this is, again, happens in this span of maybe five days, right? When Bob is murdered and they save the children in the church. Mm -hmm. And, Pony Boy's like, you can't take us to town. We're on the run. And he he spills the whole story to the teacher that's riding in the ambulance with Mm -hmm. him. And to me, it was maybe a paragraph, but this is what Essie Hinton does, is that she just, you can imagine then that all happening in the ambulance Mm -hmm. between Pony Boy and this adult. Yeah. And I'm I'm like getting teary-eyed because it's, it was. It gave Ponyboy the ability to tell his story on a kind of even ground. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Just I do like, without judgment. Mm-hmm. Saying because this guy didn't know any of them. He didn't know any of the parties involved or anything about the story. And so Ponyboy is able. And and again, you don't have to see any of that happen. It doesn't have to be described over several pages. She just puts it here in. And you just get the feeling mm. of the relief that Pony Boy feels. 
And then it changes to worry because he doesn't want to go to the boys' home and have his family separated. And so this whole new set of problems is coming. <laughs> but it ends up that, you know, in the very end, when it comes circle, that's his heroism kept them together. It was mm. more of you know, that being unselfish and just acting. And we can talk about this a little more. I mean, there were other instances that come back to this heroism. Yeah. Where he, before the rumble, and is it Randy? Yeah. That talks to him. Yeah. Randy, one of the socias. And he's like, come here. I, I need to talk to you. He says, look, I'm not, I'm not going to show. They're going to call me yellow-bellied and all that stuff, but it's not going to solve anything. Right. So everything's still going to be the same. And people are going to get hurt, and I don't want to be there. Oh, and, th- and then he says, he says to Ponyboy, man, what you did for those kids. He's like, I wouldn't have done that. But Ponyboy's like, yes, you would have. I forgot about I, that. And, and it was yeah. just kind of this... You know, just this this conversation they were able to have. And um, it, it just keeps bringing up different instances for me when this honesty has to come out. And I think when the headline in the paper, <laughs> it said, and they were all laughing about this, like, this it turned, turned greasers into heroes. <laughs> 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 and they were all kind of laughing about, okay. You know, yeah, really, like, yeah, the, it, it just was funny to me too. But um, I also ahead, think yeah. it's a really interesting example of the idea that one act alone does not define you. That's wow, wow. Let's <laughs> just pause on that a moment. <laughs> that is the truth because yeah. it went from. Yeah, like just just so like you were saying, it's, it's the novel. How did you say it? It it's just the sequence of events, and it's like a domino effect. It is where one thing feeds into the other, into the other, and like you were saying, it's their decisions. Yes, the consequences of decision or non-decision, consequences of actions, mm-hmm. you know, and how they all affect the future of these. These, these kids' lives. I also find it really interesting. They keep referring to Bob as a boy, right? Like, oh. Bob this bully, mm-hmm. sort of when Ponyboy comes to after almost being drowned by mm-hmm. Bob and mm-hmm. sees him lying dead. Mm-hmm. And Johnny is just saying, I just killed him. I killed that boy. Mm-hmm. There's something about that that I don't know. I cannot put my finger on it exactly why, but the reference to him as a boy still not just a bully well now it's almost like now that he's not a threat now that he's not a threat he can call him a boy yeah and and i like too that that character comes back around in the end through the voice of cherry who says you know he wasn't always i mean he's not just bully right he's not just that right he was a friend and he had more to him and i don't remember her exact words but but it's nice that Essie Hinton breathes life into him, ironically, after he's dead. Yeah, um, yeah. But in a way that was never scripted prior to that. And Right. And I think that's where she says, to, to she's talking to Ponyboy before the 
Rumble. Mm. And it's, he basically is saying, you should go visit Johnny. Right. And she's like, I can't. Yeah. Bob was a person. He meant something to me. Mm-hmm. Johnny killed Bob. I can't go see him. Pony Boy gets mad and he's like going to huff off. And then comes back and he realize, he says, I'm sorry. I, you know, and get it. And he asks her, do you see, do you have good sunsets in the West? She's like, yeah, we do. Yeah. And he says, yeah, we have good, good sunsets too. So yeah. we see the same sunset. It was something like that. Yeah, it was. It, right? Yeah. And she smiles. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's just another way where these kids are <laughs> just so, they're trying. Yeah. Even though they know in their heart of hearts, it's always going to be this way yeah. at some level. Even today, uh, I was, the, this particular edition has an introduction by Jody Picolt, and she was reading it with her son, who's 14, and they were talking, she, she writes about, this whole dis- class discrepancy and, mm. and her son commented, well, even today you're either a jock or a geek or mm. a gamer or a jock you know, and all these different things. And he was like, but you f- want to find a place to belong. It's better than being on your own. Yeah. So it's just wow. kind of retold yeah. forward. Um, for sure. Anyway. That's a huge part of what all mm-hmm. of this is. That's a great way to explain it. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking one of the things we haven't mentioned is that despite the fact that they are now considered heroes, the fact that they killed Bob still is, it doesn't let them off the hook for mm-hmm. that crime. Mm-hmm. So there is a court hearing that's set. But what's also interesting is that both Randy and Cherry, who were friends of Bob's, confess that, not confess, but testify that it was, in fact, self-defense. Yes. Mm -hmm. They testify. Mm -hmm. And there was something in that that made me think, like, I just, I admire the honesty, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And that's actually, in fact, one one of the nuggets of information that Dallas brings to the boys when they're hiding out mm-hmm. is that they've come, those two have come forward. Or she's that, like a spy for them too. Sort of. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Well, she's helping to organize the rumble along with Randy and even though Randy isn't going to fight and basically says it's, that's that no matter who wins the fight, it's doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing's going to change. It's just right. Nothing. Right. Whether you're so sh- or a greaser. Or a greaser. Yeah. Or a rival <laughs> greaser. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, I feel this book is just the whole idea, that which has stuck around this entire time, is the idea of stay gold and mm-hmm. what that means. And that is best expressed from the letter that Ponyboy finds that Johnny left for him. And what, before I... I read you this letter. I'm going to read it to you. Get ready. Um, <laughs> to rumble. <laughs> Sorry. No. I could not. I couldn't help myself. Um, <laughs> but there's this whole exchange in the hospital when 
Johnny starts to realize he's probably not going to make it. And how he's 16 years old. Mm. And he hasn't mm. lived a life. He, it's not fair. Right. And he's not ready to die. Mm-mm. He's only 16. 16. And he um, says, this, when we went on that train, it's the first time I've ever left the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so it's heartbreaking to hear to hear that. Mm-hmm. And to also hear how all of this affects Pony Boy because I mean Pony Boy really does spiral out. It it is a really well written how Pony Boy goes into this grief-stricken madness. Now I'm glad that you brought this up in our kind of prep and and are talking about it now. Because I think I sort of skipped over that a little bit. I, I, I myself was sort of like, I'm not really sure what's, what's going on here. And I didn't realize as I was reading it that this situation had really gone from bad to worse for Pony Boy. Mm-hmm. And that the effects of the injuries from the rumble and... I just like saying the word rumble. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> um, had, had affected him physically, and it was the mental side that mm-hmm. you really brought me to, because I, I just didn't pick up on that. Um, <laughs> it's because I'm mental. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're, no. you're a deep thinker. Uh, anyway, so, but, so continue. Yeah, so there's this scene in the courtroom where... Ponyboy is waiting for his turn to testify about the events that led up to the death, Bob's death. Mm -hmm. And he is worried that there is a threat that he'll be taken away and the family will get broken up because maybe the home life is uh, contributing to the fact that he is a delinquent, for lack of a better term. But before anything starts, his doctor goes to talk to the judge and I think, and it's implied that in that moment, the doctor says, okay, you can't ask him about this because he's not reliving it properly, right? Yes. And so the judge only asks him whether he likes being at home, right? Whether mm-hmm. he likes, whether he does his schoolwork. And, and then there's a moment when he's I think, sitting on a hood of a car mm-hmm. and some socials drive by and they're like, are you the one who killed Bob? And he's like, yeah, get out of here. And he's got this broken... I was going to say, Amy's holding an imaginary <laughs> weapon in her hand. <laughs> he's got a broken soda bottle in his hand. Yes. And and there's made mention earlier, at the very beginning of the novel, the very first confrontation with Bob and his buddies when they were walking Cherry and her friend home, mm-hmm. Tubit gives him a soda bottle, a broken soda bottle, to fight with. And everybody says, oh, you know, I know you'd never use it. Yeah. He's like, I'd never use that. I know you'd never use that. Yeah. It's fine. Like, we know you wouldn't. But it's that moment when he doesn't even realize that he's holding it. Yeah, he's he's changed. And he's, then he throws it away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's because he's just, just, he's just... Living, he's living this other reality. He is, because he can't handle the losses. Right. right. Um, and the implications, I think, of that, too. Because yeah. he was a part of all of this, but he got to live. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, even though we've talked a lot about the plot and kind of what happens, as I mentioned earlier, just the way this book is is written, it is a must read. Out of everything that we've read, it's read it in a day, in an afternoon. It's if you're a parent or a sibling or 
just a friend. It, it, there's there's a message for everybody in in this. It's just plain good literature, and it, it is excellent literature. And I I think that it is timeless for young adults. I know it's still on a lot of reading lists. Sadly, it's also a challenged book and and likely banned in some places because of the violence and the smoking. But if that is is what you're going to take away from this, then shame on you because you're missing so much more. And I think you're going to read the the letter from Johnny. I'm going right? to read a portion of a portion it. Of it. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and, and do that before we go. So this was found in a copy of Gone with the Wind. And too bad he didn't find it sooner. Yes. Honestly. Right. He says, listen, I don't mind dying now. It's worth it. It's worth saving those kids. Their lives are worth more than mine. They have more to live for. Some of their parents came by to thank me, and I know it was worth it. Tell Dally it's worth it. I'm just going to miss you guys. I've been thinking about it in that poem, that guy that wrote it. He meant your gold when you're a kid, like green. When you're a kid, everything's new, dawn. It's just when you get used to everything that it's day. Like the way you dig sunsets, Pony, that's gold. Keep that way. It's a good way to be. I want you to tell Dally to look at one. He'll probably think you're crazy, but ask for me. I don't think he's ever really seen a sunset. And don't be so bugged over being a greaser. You still have a lot of time to make yourself be what you want. There's still lots of good in the world. Tell Dally. I don't think he knows. Your buddy, oh. Johnny. Oh. That to me oh. also the most like the fact that Dally didn't get to hear any of that either. I know. Like it's a double I whammy. I know, I know. Well, we always look into the author and their history, and I know that Essie Hinton wrote some other books, mm. um, but she's very private, and we know this is based on her it's kind of almost like her. Just something she had to write, seeing yeah. the class clashes in her own high school. And I'm really just curious just how much was, uh, like, really reality and things. And it was. Yeah. she It was sort of loosely based on a kid who had gotten, I think, either beat up or killed, oh, okay. if I remember correctly. And she did not have a good home life. Well, kudos to her and... Coppola, who produced the movie. Yeah. Because when I rewatched it, at the very end, it's dedicated to the librarian and the class who wrote yeah. to her or someone him. in Hollywood. They wrote to him. Francis Ford Coppola. So t- you, you read about that, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, part of why Essie Hinton wrote this was because there were no novels for kids about kids that were real. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so this librarian had a teenage son, and he didn't have anything to read, and so she handed him this. And it just became—she just became a champion of this novel, and she thought, this needs to be a movie. So she sent a proposal along with a copy of the book to Francis Ford Coppola, and he and his producing partner— he gave the book to the producing partner, and the producing partner was like, nah, he didn't like the cover. (laughs) So he sort of let it sit for a while. That's— the anecdote anyway. And uh, and then he was like, well, I'll read 10 pages on a flight. And so he opened it, started to read those 10 pages, and then finished it. 
Wow. Cover to cover. And so I think she, S.E. Hinton, was a little reluctant Mm -hmm. because Coppola hadn't really done a lot of YA, Mm -hmm. you know, film, except for, is it Black Beauty? You're the the movie trivia Um, expert. Anyway, yeah, so she sold him the rights, and um, she was very active on set. Fun. Yeah, and she had a little bit part. That's right, she she did. (laughs) She'd forgotten. Well, well, and I know we, we... weren't going to get into the movie too much, but no. the cast. Oh my god! Of this, you guys. It is a who's who. It is a who's who of these. It's not. It it's young not even Hollywood. Like remember the Brat Pack? It was pre Brat. It was pre Brat Pack, mm-hmm. but it was. Well, I already so, mentioned Patrick Swayze. He played Daryl. Uh huh. Rob Lowe was Soda Pop. C. Thomas Howell was Pony Boy. Mm hmm. Ralph Macchio, our favorite karate kid, yes. was Johnny. Oh, my gosh. Matt Dillon was an exquisite Dallas. He was phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Emilio Estevez was too bit I thought he was great, too. <laughs> he was hilarious. And um, Tom Cruise. This was, I think, one of his first I'd earliest say, roles. Dude, he played Steve. He was barely a blip. Like, he, I don't the only lines he had, I think, were like, woohoo, or <laughs> something, or like... <laughs> Come on, we're going to go get him, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a bit of a peripheral. And then there's also, like, Diane Lane played Cherry. Oh, gosh. She was so good in that. She was great. Oh, you know, and Leif Garrett. Oh, right. Played Bob. Yep. Yep. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think I had Leif Garrett's album, but I didn't know <laughs> that he was he yeah. was in this. And, yeah, there are just so many... Just you look at that, and it it launched these some of these kids' careers. It I was think. amazing, yeah. It and was. so even just for the joy of seeing them in an early film, yeah, you should watch it if you're a Hollywood type. I mean, come on, definitely. And I will say, when I was looking around to to find out where to watch it, there were two versions. Huh. So there's the original cut which was released in 1983. And then I think for like the 50th anniversary, Coppola went back and added in additional material that they had originally cut out. And that other version is referred to as the complete novel. It's The <gasps> Outsiders, The Complete novel. That is exciting. So I have I know not what I'm seen that tonight. one. I know, right? <laughs> Gotta watch that because I think, I think a lot got lost in that original like hour and a half movie. I would agree. It, it feels like it it's, didn't start at the beginning. Right. 100%. No. And I don't know if the, it was kind of in the, the age of the movies that they weren't as long as they are today. Yeah. I mean, it really back was. in the early 80s, I don't think you're going to have no. a three-hour movie. No. If you had a two-hour movie, that was a that little was, bit much. That yes. was pushing it. Mm-hmm. You maybe could go to a 145. Right. <laughs> I know, I remember. I'm sure like Goonies, all those, (laughs) E.T., they were probably not not close to two hours. But but the the set, as you mentioned, she was on the set a lot. And the set is preserved in some way or Yes. So the house that was the Curtis Boys house um, has been turned into the Outsider Museum. That's the outsider house. It's, it's called. And so, yeah. It's, and there's like a photo gallery or something. There I is. Think there's a lot yeah, of I mean, the donate. There's you memorabilia and, and posters, yeah. and there's like a couple switchblades and a jacket. And yeah. So, 
<laughs> All I can think of is keep thinking of West Side Story <laughs> and the Jets and the Sharks and what are some of the others like the Greece? The Greek oh yes, Greece. When you have the American, well, American graffiti really didn't have like that. It was a different not culture, so it was much. car culture as opposed to right. the rest. But um, still, like all that time. With, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's well worth watching, even even if you don't watch the complete novel. I'm sure it's still worth watching. I think, but read the I, book first. Yeah, definitely read the book definitely first to give you first. more context. Even though we spoiled everything. Maybe not. Maybe it would be better to just watch the movie because I feel like yeah, maybe. I feel like watching it after reading it really let me see the loss of some of those relationships. Mm. Like mm-hmm. the the relationship between Soda Pop. I love Soda Pop as a character. I know. He is adorable. He writes this letter that he sends with Dallas to the boys, to his brother Pony. Mm-hmm. And um and he signs it. So Soda Pop Curtis. He did. It's, it's just like he's just such a character. I know, and I'm so sorry we didn't really get to see more of him in the movie. Maybe he made the, the final no- or the complete novel. novel right, version. that's what I'm hoping yeah. for. Well, and I, there's so much I know we didn't get to talk about, but we're running we're running we long really, here. We really I know, are. but like you were saying that their parents died, and you you said that Dallas, sorry, Daryl had to take on so much responsibility and. Did we talk about this yet where you said that he was, they robbed him of being a soch or that he would have been a soch oh, that's if it wasn't right. for them? No, there is that line where Two-Bit um, and Ponyboy are out during the day before the rumble. Mm-hmm. And Two-Bit says to Ponyboy, you know, the only reason Daryl's not a soch is because of us. Mm. And I, you're right. I made the comment earlier that even even Daryl's name mm-hmm. is a soch name. Name. Mm-hmm. He was like a football player. He was going to college. Yeah, he was a golden boy. Mm-hmm. And and uh, his brothers were on soda, their birth certificate. Yeah. <laughs> Pony boy and soda pop. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we were able to talk about this and hopefully get a whole new generation of uh, people to read the read the book um and i was gonna say something else in a cho- oh i i wonder how many times we said the word rumble too many times no never enough one too many <laughs> anyway um okay so thank you for joining us and listening to our commentary on se hinton's the outsiders and we are so happy to bring you our podcast, We Speak Volumes, for free and ad-free, wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can find us online at bardsalley.com or in person in Vienna, Virginia. And we would love to see you and hear your comments. So reach out. And anything else, Lane, you want to say before uh, we sign off? Rumble. <laughs> Well, what do you say, Lane? Should we book it? Yeah, let's book it. <laughs> <laughs>